I'm sure every team goes through this, but only the Cleveland Guardians this year, it feels like they could win a series and still finish it on a very frustrating note and make everybody feel like that was three days completely lost. On another note, Cleveland Guardians could potentially be targeting a defensive replacement at shortstop at the trading deadline, and everybody who thinks bullpen help is coming, not so much. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. Uh, I was joking with Justin beforehand. How many people on this roster are currently better defensive shortstops than Ahmed Rosario? Uh, I said, you know, you got, I, we know for sure it's it's Andres and Gabby, likely Tyler Freeman. I'm betting Miles Straw could play shortstop better. How far can we, I mean, maybe maybe not Josh Bell and Josh Naylor, but it feels like uh, Jose Ramirez could have probably done it better if you can let him go out there and stretch out. It, it's uh, hey david fry he hasn't tried that yet we're just throwing him and have him do new positions on the fly let's see what he can do it was a frustrating game uh and here's the thing going into today i felt like they're gonna lose because that has been the mo of this season right like the lack of consistency they haven't put crud together this should have been a sweep they've had one sweep all year one four game win streak and they just can't seem to get out of their own way and for the people being mad at the bullpen i'm gonna go back to sunday's game where I said that, you know, this was Trevor Seven's fault with an assist from coaching. Today's game was Ahmed Rosario's fault. And yes, he did have a two-run double. With an assist which, from coaching. With, Let's uh, be honest. Well, I was going to say with an assist from Henches, who also then couldn't take care of business. But yeah, it, this is a, a situation that you shouldn't be in. And he had two bad throws in that inning. He has been, I believe, the last two years by outs above average, the worst shortstop in baseball. He doesn't typically make a lot of bad plays once he gets the ball, but he has no range. And I mean, today's throw was the rare time that I'll sit there and say, I think I could have made that throw. Like, I don't think I could have gotten to the ball, but that is not a short or a long throw. Like that is a routine play. I don't know if he took his eyes off the ball, if he got what happened, but that is a very routine play and you don't get the double play. You don't get out of the inning and they put up a four spot and Cleveland can't come back. They, they put up 21 to one in the first two games and if the Twins win tonight, they will have gained no ground in the division. That's why I said, if you know, only, only the Guardians this year, it feels like can win a series and wind up making it, you know, feel like kind of a waste of time. They did play well the first two games, which is which is kind of contradictory to the fact that they have dropped the first game of a lot of series this year. But of course, they came out. I mean, they were pretty dead in the water against. Uh, Quinn Priester on Monday, and then they picked it up eventually against. I mean, them, no, good. perfect through three, right? Yeah, and and their approach was terrible. They they turned it around, and then they took it to to Mitch Keller on Tuesday, and the offense did did its job on Wednesday as well. They they scored enough runs to win. This team should have enough to win games against the Pirates, where they score four and five runs. And the Pirates have an interesting lineup right now. Like it's not great, but they have some interesting names in terms of who they're calling up rookie wise. But really what happened here is, and I know, look, let's also acknowledge the fact that multiple things can be true at once, right? You don't have, this doesn't have to be black and white. You don't have to say, you know, this guy did this. So this guy, you know, should have did this. There doesn't have to be a whole war over it. Okay. That all these things can be true at once. Those two plays that Ahmed Rosario had hit to him. If one of those throws makes it to Andre Jimenez correctly, the inning is over. 
and those extra runs don't score. Sam Hentges is not pitching, is not walking uh, Carlos Santana. He's not giving up a hit to G-Man Choi that inning. Now, that's not to say that in the eighth inning, if Hentges comes back and he doesn't you know, have a hard time throwing strikes and he doesn't leave one over the middle for, for G-Man Choi to pull, that could have easily happened in the eighth inning. So that aspect is still there. He has had a hard time this year. Which, uh, this month alone, he has had a hard time throwing strikes. He has walked five per nine in the month of July. Um, He's kind of looked like he, old uh, starting pitching version. The starting, himself. yeah. It's it's just July. It's been five innings after today, okay? Or it's been five and two-thirds. So we're talking a very small sample size here. And same thing, too, for his splits. We were kind of talking off air, like, what, what has been Sam Hench's splits this year, lefty-righty? Because, like you, you pointed out, that the Pirates went to Connor Joe as soon as Hench's came in. Well, oddly enough, this year, Hench's has a two four or hitters have a two forty eight weighted on base average against Hench's this year. Uh, they're hitting 200, 278, 262. Lefties, for whatever reason, 281, 361, 500. So he is having a hard time with left-handers. He has four walks and four strikeouts against lefties. He has 19 strikeouts against right-handers. So whatever reason, he is having a hard time against right-handers this year, or lefties, I should say. I, I don't really make anything of that other than it being – He's faced 36 batters, 36 lefties, and and they've either hit him or he's walked him. That's not good, but I can't really sit here and say, like, ah, it's a problem for him because he was good against both last year. Relievers do go through slumps. We've seen it with Stefan. We've seen it with in the past, like Brad Hand, James Karinczak, who we're going to talk about today. Like, relievers go through slumps, too. Cody Allen, you know, went through this. It's harder for relievers to come out of it because you can't really throw on the side to make a, if you're having a, an issue with something, you have to work it out in a game because you can't be out there throwing a full bullpen or something and then you're down for the day and not pitch because you've got to be available for games. So it, it's it is harder for relievers to come out of slumps because you you can't go out there and work on things necessarily in between outings. That being said, yeah, like Henches didn't pitch well after the errors, but. Like I said, if a man makes one of those two plays, the inning's over and you move on to the eighth inning and you know, whatever happens, happens in the eighth inning. But the seventh inning doesn't get out of control. And and we're talking, unfortunately, split seconds here. I mean, Ahmed Rosario's first throw to Jimenez pulled him off the bag. And um, if Jimenez doesn't dive and catch that ball and it, it rolls in the right field, then it doesn't matter because those runs are scoring there anyway. And then the next feed was the easiest feed. All he had to do was give Jimenez a clean feed and Jimenez throws the runner out at first base. The Pirates don't can't challenge it because it's not, it's an actual out and the inning inning goes away. And like I said, Hentges could have come out in the eighth inning and, and had poor command and gave up a couple hits and it might not have mattered, but at least you get out of the seventh inning. You don't face the heart of the lineup with bases, lo- with bases loaded or two on and it doesn't get out of hand. So th- the question really is, this is a team that prioritizes up the middle defense, right? They talk about how much they, they prioritize defense in center field. That's why they sign Miles Strachan extension. Catching defense, they Sonino is supposed to be a better defender than than Bo Naylor, and Cam Gallagher's here for his defense and working with pitching. And Austin Hedges, they put up with terrible offense for, for good defense. Why is it? And I know I know the answer to this. So I think we 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 have talked about this being the answer. Why is it that at shortstop, it's okay to punt defense, even though that is the most important position when you have two Shortstops who are are superior defensively on your on your twenty six man roster, maybe three. Why the is guy, that the area where you're punting defense? Because everyone loves a med. 
I mean, you can you can just sit there and it's like Jose loves him, Tito loves him. I mean, listen to the game. I, I we had Andre on the show, and I kind of feel like the reason he unfollowed me is because I was mean about Ahmed. It's it's clear like people love this guy who interact with him on a daily basis, and I think that he has a lot of internal love for those who are around him. He seems like a fantastic human being, but I think that loyalty and that love is getting into and affecting everything else. And listen, last year by outs above average, he was the worst shortstop in baseball. He's at a one. He's got a in the he's, first percentile. Yeah, he's the average. worst defender in baseball. Again, this feels there's no way an analytical based front office just ignores that. So this feels like coaching and like, you know, kind of the whole idea of the ethereal of like, you know, the the clubhouse. This is those things. And that's what we're talking about with him. But like I said, everyone seems to love him. I, I think that like I have heard some ill will by being like anti Ahmed over the years. Uh, and it's, it's something against him. It's just, he's not a good shortstop. You know, he is not, he is a back. He's a 16 to 30 guy. If you're ranking shortstops, he might be the 16th best. And even if you want to say, Hey, he's hitting better. I wouldn't pull the data for the last month. In the last month, he has a one one weighted runs created plus for those who don't know what it means. It takes all of your offensive stuff, puts it in a, in a bin and a hundred is average. So it's great that he's league average, but league average is not good enough to make up for, being the worst a, defender yeah the worst defensive shortstop in baseball and i know people were like they're back to ahmed because they're still playing him <laughs> and he's not good enough with the bat be one thing if he was you know a, a 110 or a 120 guy in terms of if he was above league average but you can't be he is the reverse of miles straw right who is the you know who's if we had a, a defensive metric with no bat right yeah it, he would be you know, Ahmed is a 101 with an, uh, you know, a defensive rating of 80, where Straw has a hit rating of 80. But at least his defense is closer to like a 120, 130. Both of them are places you need to look to improve. I feel like they're just both going to be out there. This is what's frustrating about it is they they will replace whoever at first base defensively. Like, okay, like Josh Naylor, Josh Bell. Or if Josh Naylor is DHing and Josh Bell's at first base, Gabby Arias comes into the game at first base defensively. When you put David Fry in the outfield, you replace him defensively. When other catchers have have been in, in you know, they, they put Fry in because they pinch run or pinch hit, but they've not been afraid to use defensive replacements like later in the game. Like Miles Straw has come in defensively in center and they move Will Brennan over to right field. They are fine making defensive replacements. There is no reason Ahmed Rosario cannot be replaced in the seventh or eighth inning defensively. Like, I know the wheels late kind of turn differently, so you know, you're potentially using Gabby Arias as a pinch runner or you're using him. I'm trying to think Naylor was playing or Bell was playing first. So maybe you want to use him at first base. Josh Bell at first base, I'm sorry, is not as important as a Med Rosario at shortstop. I see both, you know, very poor. Yes. What position needs the best? And they ended up using Gabby Arias in right in uh, in right field yes. because Brennan pinch hit for Gallagher. They and they weren't going to outfield. But that just, yeah, that just seems like a mismanagement because um, you could have used Brennan anywhere and you used and you had to put Arias in right field you could have I don't know it just Arias should have been in shortstops any you have Freeman who already was playing I know Jose DH like you why why can't you replace some lane games if you want to sit there and say that he's an important part of the offense you know whatever he's an above he's an above league average hitter this team needs as many above average league hitter league average hitters as they can get I understand that there's no reason he can't be replaced late in the game for defense there's no reason and if if your roster management says that you can't do that because you got to use other guys elsewhere then you're mismanaging the roster and I know this is all second guessing but this he's team continually not good enough on defense with yes. the options they have on a very basic level, he is simply not good enough with the options I have. And I'll go back to what we talked about this year. Bottom line, 
Gabby Arias should be starting versus righties. And I'm fine with him playing against lefties, like limit it and put him out there where he'll be most effective. Yes, today they still would have lost in that case. And I understand I'm saying that, but find a way to make it work. And then listen, you're not going to do a defensive replacement in the fifth inning. So again, that probably doesn't necessarily happen here, but I think all of us for the most part have to agree that like, that was the Especially, seventh inning when that all on, on was that on, the seventh. Oh, that was the, was fifth, the when, fifth. Fifth is when they it was four to two. I messed up. So seventh, yeah, maybe you are replacing. But I think he's not going to go anywhere. But at the same time, he is a guy who he's not going to be here in a year. They're not giving him an extension. So it just seems silly to take at bats from young players we need to evaluate. But we've taken enough time. We are going to jump to break here. Come back, and we have information. And people have been asking about why ninety nine isn't back. We're going to let you know after this. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, like not a Med Rosario. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around and makes the correct throw to second base. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. That's right. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions apply. Guardians are off Thursday. Take a break. But Friday, tune into the game against the Phillies on the, your Sirius XM app listen to the game and try not to get frustrated and search guardians on your X serious XM app. Before we dive into, let's just take a second, give some credit in this one. Uh, I've realized we, we sometimes people get annoyed. When we don't spend enough time on the game. Josh Bell had a great series. He liked going mm-hmm. home two home runs as 11th of the year uh, to make this one seven to five miles. Straw is the only other guy I believe who reached base twice in this one, uh, two hits, a single and a double. He also stole two bases in the same inning. So it was nice to see him out and running. We haven't seen that from him in a while. And I think he reached base in every single game in the series. So some positive signs of life. He's up to a, uh, where did I see it? Um, he was up to a 244 batting average, a 618 OPS. Like for him, that's like hitting a thousand. Uh, <laughs> again, solid backup type. But, you know, he had a good series. I don't want to sit here. and But you and I were both talking off air before we get to the 99 of it all. The annoyance was how many times... You know, he would get on base or when then he sack bunted so Cam Gallagher could hit. I went and looked. If you lower it to a hundred plate appearances this year, because Gallagher has 105, he has a negative six runs created plus. So he is a hundred is average. I don't even I didn't even know you could get to a negative. You could be so bad you could get to a negative score. Strangely, not the worst. Austin Barnes with the Dodgers is a negative seven, even worse. But a 140 batting average, a 171 on base, 190 slugging. That's probably not updated for another 04 today a 2.9 percent walk 28.6 percent k rate if you go and look at savant he is 96 percent on framing and the pitchers love him and i see some of the pitchers parents also tweeting very positive things as well like everyone likes him catching for them the problem is he is an absolute black hole in the lineup like he makes austin hedges look like mark mcguire like creatine Mark McGuire. Like this is, I don't know what you do. You know, pop time at 50 is, is actually, you know, pretty okay for him. He's not throwing out a ton of guys, 
but having him play, it's just, I mean, I, I would rather have him honestly eight and straw nine because occasionally straw is reaching base about once a game right now. Quan is playing better. And instead of getting that extra out, maybe you can have that nine wrap around to the top and, and do some hit and run and do some better things. But Gallagher, I think three of his four at bats, he had a runner on and two of those were runners in scoring position and nothing. And he is, he is the rare guy where maybe some of our listeners could go up and do what he's doing to some degree with the amount that he is striking out and not getting on base. I mean, they just need somebody who can even get hit by a pitch. Like that would be an improvement. Yeah. Just getting hit by a pitch. Yeah. It's negative 10 WRC plus now. After for today. Here. So yeah, he would be the worst in baseball. Congratulations, Cam. You've made it. We're <laughs> made it to the uh, worst yeah. hitter in baseball. And I love that the Guardians Hedges, by the way, uh, fourth worst going into the day. Yeah. And of course, the Guardians have said they've been trying to acquire him from years. And it's like, oh, this is what you've been trying to acquire for years. That's good. Josh Bell, by the way, uh, now in a league above league average hitter, 103 WRC plus. Nice. So look, Josh Bell in the past has been a guy who's very streaky. He either has a good first half and a bad second half or it's the reverse. If he becomes the Josh Bell that has a good half and it's the second half, this lineup could be interesting and, and they could really, that could be really good. And then there's, you know, maybe he, maybe he'll play so good. He'll opt out at the end of the year. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe if he plays so well in the second half, everyone's like, ah, oh, he's going to opt out. We want him back. And I don't know how that works out, but yeah, Gallagher, it's tough to defend his position on the roster. Like I know defense, look, I, I am so in favor of catcher defense mattering. I completely understand it. And then it's not like Gallagher's playing a ton, but it's like, okay, he he kind of was Bieber's personal catcher. Now Bieber's out for right now. He's playing once we give Naylor a day off. Fry's not the best defender back there, I guess. I don't know. I, I would rather go out and try to find a better defensive option for Gallagher. That's I'm not saying you need a guy who's like a one, you know, a league average hitter back there. I think if you have a good enough defender as a backup, you can handle a, a, a 70 or something back there, WRC plus, but negative 10 is very hard. He has an automatic out. Anytime he comes up early in the game with runners on, it's hurting you and you can't pitch it that early. Can I throw uh, a name at you that could like probably never happen, but I would love to see Sandy Elmar jr. <laughs> no, uh, Jake Rogers, Detroit. Yeah. Catcher. He's not playing every day and you don't see a lot of in, but 82 in framing 66 and uh, 104 and kind of a split role. Like they need someone in kind of a split role who can still provide that defense. And, you know, he's, this is his third season in the bigs. This is also his, oh, you know, he's had some good way to run created plus in the past. He had a 116 last year, a 104 this year. Yeah, the Tigers aren't trading him. I don't know. It's like they're so far out. It's, and he is, how old is he? He's 28. It almost makes you wonder if, if they would at least consider it. Like, is that a world where he is someone you can talk about where he can, because it's, it's, well, you know, it's not going to happen. Or, the okay, can, can I throw another name at you? Um, do you want the seventh best defensive catcher in baseball? Because Nick Forte is, is, is <laughs> I knew we were getting but back he's, to that. He's at a 50, which is, you know, yeah, he's not doing grand, but like a 208, 256, 284 sounds divine. And he's an even better defensive catcher than, than Nick Rogers. Yeah. Now, I don't yeah. know. I mean, you know what? Um, Miami can use some more bats. How about a Med Rosario for Nick Forte's? Sure. He makes a lot of contact. I love guys that make contact. He makes a lot of contact. He'd be great in Miami, but uh, he's a nice guy. So you have to have him in Cleveland. You can't, you yeah. can't not have the nice guy, by the way, I'm at Rosario negative um, 0.1 war this season overall, still a negative player uh, contra- contributor overall. Yeah. And they're not, they're not going to make a move for a catcher mid season because they don't do that because they well, don't want to have to. They did try last. Year. Well, all right. Sean Murphy is, is a totally different animal here yeah. and they did it. They did it in the past with, they tried to get Jonathan Lucre that one year, but that was because of the, injuries and stuff and too. The one other guy, like the, honestly, they're very unlikely to the one other guy I would mention is 
Jason DeLay and Pitts because Pittsburgh doesn't have any room for him. He is 28 and he was having a decent season this year. But now Andy and Henry are up. Yeah. Yeah. And they have hedges. So he has no place to go. Yeah. Uh, 260, 328, 6.8 defensive war. Last year, he was a 53 weighted runs created plus 213, 265, 271. That still sounds 53. divine. 53 is like an MVP level player right now. I know that's still divine compared to what they got. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. He was a 93 this year. And because they have so many catchers, he didn't stick. Like, again, he's 28. That Pittsburgh team is going nowhere. Like, he's the guy to call about. I mean, he'd be an upgrade. I know they'd never do it, but like, honestly, no. go, go do that. But I, I will say, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, I know, I know Gallagher's not a good hitter. I'm not, but I'm not going to get bent out of shape about the backup catcher who plays once a week completely True. here I mean, because. It's, it's, it's it's a very minimal and minimal. He's yes. Is he making a negative impact offensively? And is it hurting them in games he plays? Yes, but he's playing once a week right now. And I'm not going to get bent into shape at, between the issues with the bullpen, the Rosario thing. I'm not going to let that be the top of my list of, of concerns right now. Fair enough. And real quickly, I want to. I just want to run through too the bullpen overall. Let's see what happens in July. Right now, they are still the second best bullpen in baseball in terms of ERA all season. The month of July hasn't been good for them. They do have an ERA above above seven this month. So it's, it's 18 innings. It's a small sample, but it's not good. If you look at other teams who are really have really good bullpens, let's see, the Giants have a really good bull. Let's see, I'm trying to think of a team who has a good bullpen that's having a, a bad month. Arizona is having a terrible month. Overall, their bullpen is pretty average uh, on the year, they're, but they're getting worse. So... Yeah, Henches is not having a great month out there. De Los Santos, even though he's been bad a couple times recently, his ERA is still good. The FIP is still good. Class A's had a couple of hiccups. He's only pitched five innings. Morgan, Ste- Stefan is definitely in a slump. Like right now, the bullpen doesn't look good, and, and a bunch of them are having slumps at the same time. So right now, they're not good. They've been good at, at points this year. They've all been good at points. They've all they were all good last year for the most part. You know, bullpens aren't consistent year to year. I'm not willing to sit here and say this is a bad bullpen. They are going through a bad stretch right now. I think on the whole, they'll figure it out. It's just very unfortunate you have guys who are all kind of having some hiccups at the current moment. It's not good. That's just what's been going on with the team this year. And before we get into other bullpen help coming from the minors or what's not coming, also want to point out today, this I saw Mike Petriel tweet this, and I saw it on Savant too. Aaron Savali's velocity was way, way down today. And, and not like he was not, I, I guess way is, is kind of exaggeration. Like he, he was not, he was barely hitting 90 with his four seam. So he was down. Way. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Savali here on the other side of the break. Yeah. Too. Friday night guardians host the Phillies, uh, check Sirius XM app to listen to the hometown call. Just search guardians on your Sirius XM app. Uh, yeah. So, Savali was four miles down in his fastball. He didn't even hit 90. Sinker was almost four down. He barely hit 90 there. Every, and everything else was down after that as well. So that, and I, I looked, I thought, oh, that's a fluke. He threw, he threw a little harder. I thought he was thrown harder his last outing at Texas when he came out of the break as the first starter back. Uh, no, he was down about a mile an hour on his fastball. And that was with the seven day break. Okay. He pitched. He had a seven-day break because of the All-Star break. His Everything was down about a mile an hour. His slider, he doesn't really throw the slider a lot, but it was down quite a bit. So everything was down a little bit on a seven-day break. Today, it was down as much as four miles an hour. And I don't know if anything was going on there. And I know he pitched great. I know everyone's going to say, who cares what he threw? Because he pitched great. He did pitch good. But this is why, you know, you and I have talked about him being a trade candidate. He's pitching good right now. If there's a team out there that feels like they want to bring him in for the next couple of years as like a, a fourth starter, 
I would move him because, you know, the velocity's going down. Velocity was down a lot to start. And look, other teams can see this data too. They're probably like, hmm, that's weird. What's going on here? But this is one of those red flags we keep looking at with Savali. Like, you know, if you can move him for something that you, of value this year that you feel like could help your team this year and, and in the long term, I know it's not doesn't put your team in a good spot for right now, but it's worth considering, considering, you know, given his history. The velocity definitely is a little bit alarming to us, and I'm sure it's going to be alarming to other teams if they are even interested in him. No, I agree. It, it's that especially when you combine that with the health gonna be... right is 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 this another health issue for him he's throwing his yeah. when a guy when a guy's fastball velocity drops four miles an hour in one start that's and always gonna going, make her... he's not going late in the starts either too like he is yeah he won 88 pitches and yeah. and there were a lot of hard hit balls against them today too he was good early but you know he doesn't he doesn't miss a lot of bats anyway as it is so i don't know it's just a lot of red flags and like i said if we notice them other teams are noticing them too speaking of velocity dropping so We've had a lot of comments, a lot of people on Twitter with the, with the bullpen struggling recently. Everyone's like, where's where's Nick? Where's uh, James Karinczak? Where's James Karinczak? And James Karinczak has struck out like 20 batters in, in the last 10 innings in AAA. He's been pitching really good in AAA. The problem with that is I don't really know how, how fairly you can evaluate it because his velocity has also dropped. So he is throwing about, I mean, he's had a couple outings over the last two weeks here where he's been about 92 to 94 max. He's had a couple of outings where he's been 90-93. Like, he's not – yes, sir, his last outing, he didn't even hit 94. And he's had a lot of outings where he's not even hitting 95. So his velocity has gone from 96-97 or 95-96 to 90-94. That's a big deal for a guy who doesn't have a good spinning fastball. Is that what it was? Was it, was the fastball he didn't hit a poor job spinning, or was it the cur- the curveball spin? Curveball was a terrible spin. The fastball, that, the spin was variable. Well, and, and – the lower you throw the, the lower velocity you throw your fastball with the lower amount of spin you're going to get. So if he was having spin issues with his fastball up here, when the velocity was 95, 96, it's not going to get any better when you're throwing 90, 94. So that's why he hasn't come back. And the guardians coaching has even come out and said it. Uh, there was an article from Mandy Bell. That she put out in her newsletter in her newsletter that even, even the pitching coach said like, he's got to control the run game and he's gotten better at that. And which we've heard in the past, but it's, I tell you, it's true. And they even acknowledge, hey, his velocity's down right now, and that's part of it too. So the fact that they're putting that out there doesn't really suggest to me that he is coming back to the majors anytime soon. And and nor should he. If that's the case, if he was getting beat at 95 miles an hour. If he's 90, 93, 94, I don't think it's going to get any better here. No, agree. Yeah, that's the thing. And listen, it wasn't until Justin brought up to me that I didn't know this. So it's not one of those things where we're like, hey, people, come on. No, it's just we want to bring this to your attention. That's what it is. It's like, if you it make you think, yeah, why aren't they calling him up with the bullpen struggles? Right now, it is, you know, Henges, that's been a rough month. He was pretty impeccable when he came back. We'll have to see, you know, bullpens are weird. Like We need to just put that out there. They they have these weird stretches. We'll see what happens with Stefan. But with 99, when they're like, he needs to cut down on his pitch count, do better with runners on base, and get his velocity back up, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things they're working on. And Michael Kelly has been really good. And I don't think in the other guy who's been up and down this year is Tim Heron. And we talked about on yesterday's show. He has been really good of late mm-hmm. over the last month. So uh, it's going to be a bit before we see 99. It's essentially going to take this team deciding that someone like, uh, you know, someone in our comments asked about, would they trade class A? And my answer is no, I think it's too hard to find someone like him. And they wouldn't consider moving him, especially because he's so cost controlled. But, mm. you know, I think, and then Stefan just got that contract. But Eniel, more uh, Eli, you know they're having great years. Could those guys? I, yeah, 
You know, they could move. And the one thing I'll say about would they move 99? I just don't know where his value is. Like if they're putting that yeah, out, I, he doesn't have any value right now. Yeah, teams teams are scouting. I mean, the data is available and teams are scouting. So if they thought that 99 can help them, they'd get an offer. But the Guardians are out there saying that they're not exactly going out there and making his trade value sound much better by making those statements. They're being honest. And yeah, it needs to control the run game better. Velocity is a piece of that as well as velocity has been down, has gone down a little bit. And they're talking about how he's striking out a lot of hitters, but they don't want him striking out. They want to have him strike out major league hitters, but he needs to do some things that will help him come back and, and help the team win. So cut back on some of these big innings. Like he is struggling with um, high pitch. Well, they're having enough issues with that with other guys. So, yeah. by the way, in, in month of July, the Guardians' best reliever has been Michael Kelly. Uh, you know, short sample size, but sure, he has yeah. the lowest lowest FIP on the team. After yeah, today. he. You know, I talked about yesterday. <laughs> it was it was Sandlin outside of Kelly. Well, it probably went up for him. Uh, I know we're getting towards the end here. I want to. I, I was going through Twitter. I also want to point out one. Uh, my first immaculate grid. I was looking down earlier. Oh, it went away. But first immaculate grid. So got that on there. Uh, score of one thirty-two. So not not the best, but still, I'll take it. Thought I would show. Did you go immaculate today as well? Oh, and you crushed me. Thirteen. That's my best score know. ever. Best score uh, ever was for for it was a thirteen. Yeah. I uh, let's see what what got me on mine. Ron Coomer was my best for Twins All Star. That was my lowest. I had I had I had uh, Christian Guzman. Oh, uh, I had, I had a lot of ex Indians here too. I had Josh Phelps for Blue Jays, uh, Tampa Bay. I had um, they put David Price there. That was one of my hurts. No, uh, I had Jesus Aguilar as my 100 RBI All Star season because that one season for the Milwaukee. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, Jose Barrios and David Price were my big hurt ones on here. As was yeah. I also want to call in this. I thought this was fun. The uh, at Cleveland underscore stats account. Uh, Logan Allen has earned eight plus K's while allowing two or fewer runs in four of his first 13 career starts. He becomes the third Cleveland pitcher to do that, joining Bob Feller and Herb score. Now there are a lot of caveats in that, but still, I think, you know, what's there, the eight are being that effective is fun. And it's especially fun. This is the point where I just want to bring this up because Remember, it wasn't necessarily at this point, but by the end of last year, a lot of like Logan Allen on my first list that I didn't share out. Uh, and eventually I'll just release where my midseason was. I'm never going to go back and, and do that re- releasing. It seems silly to do at this point. He was not in my top 10 prospects because of that rough month. Remember, there's always more going on under. Then we started to talk with people. You know, we got more information. It became clear that, yes, Logan Allen should be in the top 10 prospects. And, and we're definitely seeing why um, after his fantastic start yesterday, the, the rookies are holding it down. We'll have to see what happens uh, tomorrow show. We're going to get into some of those guys in the minors who are performing and who aren't. And we have definitely had some off air chatter about the, where the numbers are right now. And there's a lot of weird performances. I'm also going to profile the guardian signed a pair of undrafted free agents and Jake Barry and Rorick Moltrude. So we will get into those guys. And, we should do uh, some mailbag questions too. Yeah, you know, so yeah, throw some of those and then that'll be segment three with what time we have to get there. But we want to thank you all for being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Scott Hauser is an everydayer. And I want to say this to Scott, I I love the hustle. But if you're going to say we're bad with trading with the Reds, you can't include trades from two GMs ago. I appreciate I appreciate the hustle, Scott. But like you can't put that you can't put John Smiley or. Um, any of that on on this current one. So, but I, I love the hustle. I love the the digging and the finding. I can fully appreciate that. And then I want to send it out to my everyday or good friend of mine, former um, waiting for next year writer Andy Clayman. I don't think I responded to your message today, but uh, 
Andy and I were in each other's weddings. So it's always a kick with people I've known that long or, or every day or so. Thank you, Andy. Thank you all for being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. And go, go, Guardians, go.